this is Jana, and we are here with the winners of our Day in the Life writing competition. We asked you to write a story about a famous person who had a bad day. Thank you to everyone for all your wonderful entries. It's always hard to pick the winners, but in the end, we have to make some choices. Here's what we came up with. The first day in the life is written by Grace Laverty from County Tyrone in Northern Ireland. Grace is seven years old. Once upon a time, there lived two famous rock star sisters called Skulls and Midnight, also known as the Rock Twins. They lived in their penthouse at the very top of the tallest hotel in New York, Hotel Fancy Pants. Skulls had bright pink hair and Midnight had purple hair. Together, they were the Rock Twins. The sisters were getting ready for a big festival that they were going to perform in called the Festival of Rock. They put on their sparkly rock leotards, skulls wearing pink and midnight wearing purple, and made their way to the stage. Just as the concert was about to start, disaster struck as lightning hit the stage, sending sparks flying everywhere. The crowd didn't realise that this was lightning and thought that it was all part of the show. Midnight screamed into her microphone. Everyone, run! This is a real storm. Make your way to the dance studio at Hotel Fancy Pants. The crowd ran with Skulls and Midnight following, instruments in hand. They got to the dance studio and the Rock Twins performed there. and the crowd went wild. It was their best show yet. They all lived happily ever after and the Rock Twins learned to always check the weather before any performances. Well, that's a good lesson. Always check the weather forecast. Grace writes, We really love Story Nori. I would be the happiest girl in the world if you picked my story. Thank you, Grace. Grace, we really liked the way your story was very visual and we could easily imagine skulls and midnight on stage when the lightning struck. And we should give an honourable mention to Grace's sister Anna, who is just five years old, who wrote a story about a princess who had a very bad day when she foolishly played with a box of matches. And now over to you, Bertie. Th thank you, Jana. Yes, that story about lightning was truly shocking. Our other winning writers are a little older. The next is by Nora Kay, aged nine, who lives in Eswatini. One cloudy black day in the morning, one very small chubby person with a dash of green skin was standing in the bathroom getting ready for the day. Senator Bob Bobbing was putting on his red-coloured wig already dreaming about the great day he would have with all the people who loved him because he was so famous. Bob went to the kitchen to get his cereal that makes you look green. He sat down on his chair, which had crazy cracks all over it. 
It already gulped the whole bowl, and the table looked very messy with crumbs of the green cereal. Bob needed to get ready for his famous work. He packed his bag, and he was off. Bob jumped out of his car at work and said, "Hey, fellas!" with a squeaky voice. But the people did not say, "Hey, what's up? It's good to see you," like they normally did. Bob thought it was rather odd. He figured out that they just did not hear him. When Bob was in his fancy office, he sat down on his beautiful leather chair and opened his computer that said "rich famous guy" on the back. Rob did not want to work today, so he closed his laptop and went for a walk on his favorite road, Famous and Rich Guy Avenue. Bob was not feeling all right. He was wondering about things that had happened earlier that day. He still had a feeling stuck in his head, and he realized that he was having a bad day. He walked on and saw something that he wanted—a friend. Here was the answer to his problem. If nobody at the office was talking to him, all he had to do was buy a new friend. He could do that because he was rich and famous. So he walked down to where the sign said "Friends for Sale." Bob reached for his money and said, "One friend, please." The salesperson said, "Here's a good one for you, Maya Carson." Bob was so excited he kissed the seller guy. Maya and Bob walked on having joy. Until Maya kicked him in the face, Bob said, "Ouch!" He had blood running down his face, but Maya just ran off into the bushes. Bob felt the most hurt he had ever been. He had just bought a friend who had hit him in the face. What kind of friend was that? Bob walked slowly down, and when he got home, he wiped the blood that was still dripping off his face with a towel. At last, he went back to work. Again, nobody said hi to him. Nobody said hello. How was your walk? So Bob sat down at his desk. He thought deeper and deeper until he realized something he had never realized before. If people like you because you are rich and famous, they're not your true friends. The best way to make true friends is to be nice to people, and then they will be nice to you. So Bob tried this novel approach. Instead of expecting everyone to love him because he was rich and famous, he took an interest in people, tried to help them, and to be nice to them. And when Bob was friendly, the people were friendly back. It was so simple. Bob was happy for the rest of his life. And by the way, Nora Kay, you may be surprised to hear that I spent the first two years of my life in Eswatini. Back then, it was called Swaziland. It's a little kingdom in the middle of southern Africa. Sadly, I don't remember anything about Eswatini or Swaziland as it was then, because I was so young. But I do know I've been told that I had a nurse called Regina, and that there was an avocado tree at the bottom of our garden. I ate avocado as baby food, and I love avocado to this day. Anyway, thank you again, Nora Kay, for your story about Senator Bob Bobbing, who thought he could buy friends because he was rich and famous. Before we continue with our final winning entry, it's time to hear from this week's sponsor, Wondery. Their podcast, Little Stories Everywhere, transports your family to an imaginative world with enchanting stories and exciting adventures. 
As our listeners know, it's great to get kids off those electronic screens and to use the magical screen in their heads, known as imagination. In each episode, Virginia Madsen and Robbie Damon read an original children's tale. In one of their latest tales, you'll hear about Mark the Unicorn. He's just like any other unicorn, except he doesn't have a horn. And that makes him an easy target for school bullies. That is, until he runs into the most popular unicorn in school, Sprinkles. Listen to Little Stories Everywhere on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus Kids in Apple Podcasts or Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. So, Jana, what's the next story? A Day in the Life by Alina Radia, age 10. Jonathan Thomas had spent a lot of his adulthood auditioning for the London Wind Orchestra. Every year, he'd return home disgruntled and grumpy. Every year, he'd receive the same news. We have enough flautist at the moment. Come back next year. And get the door slammed in his face. Every year, that is. Until Jonathan turned 32. Apparently, the lead flautist suddenly got arthritis in his hands and wasn't able to play any more. That year, Jonathan went home smiling and clutching a binder of music sheets. Every year from then, Jonathan performed exceptionally in the orchestra. And soon, he climbed up to the role of lead flautist. He was showered with coins. One person even gave him their credit card. And he always went home grinning and his pockets jangling. The other performers couldn't help being a little jealous of Jonathan. True, his music was the most beautiful and fluttery of the whole orchestra. But he could be a little snobbish at times. He was often heard saying, My music is the best of the best. It's not fair that I have to perform with you commoners. Of course, the conductor was oblivious to Jonathan's rudeness. He'd go babbling to anyone who'd listen. Jonathan Thomas is the best flautist we've had in decades. He even talked the manager into paying Jonathan an extra £100 per hour. The other members of the orchestra objected quite a lot to this change in salary. But the conductor saw no sense in resetting Jonathan's salary back to standard. Because of all the extra money, Jonathan soon became a trillionaire. He was even able to buy a ruined castle and pay for the work done to turn it into a safe place to live. Soon he thought he had enough money and retired from the orchestra. He had no family, so he lived alone. One day, while Jonathan was lounging on a sofa munching on creamy chocolate cookies, a servant scuttled in holding an envelope. This arrived for you today, sir, he mumbled and scurried out of the room. Jonathan tore open the envelope and squinted at the writing. It read, To Mr Jonathan Thomas, you may or may not know of the christening for the new princess born a month ago. 
All celebrities such as yourself are expected to come. Please bring along your flute, as you are expected to play. The christening is taking place on Sunday, 1st December, at Buckingham Palace. Sincerely, Edgar Edwardshire, butler to HRH Queen Elizabeth II. Jonathan's face went pale and then a sickly green. Flute? Flute? They want me to play the flute? He stammered. Then he let out an anguished yell and Mr Johnson, the butler, ran in. Are you all right, sir? Johnson, Jonathan muttered. Send a letter to the palace saying I can't go to the christening. Say I have to meet with the King of France or something. I can't go. Mr Johnson scurried away and returned a few minutes later. The letter clutched in his hand read, Dear Mr Edgar Edwardshire, I am sorry to inform you that I have an important meeting with the King of France on the day of the christening. Please send my regards to Her Majesty. Sincerely, Jonathan Thomas. Mr Johnson sent it off to the post office the very next day. The reply came back the following evening. To Jonathan Thomas, they don't have kings of France anymore. Come to the christening on Sunday 1st December, Edgar Edwardshire. No! Jonathan screamed, cried and kicked. But no matter what he did, he still had to go to the christening. Sunday 1st of December dawned snowy and cold. Jonathan dressed in his best suit and tie and trotted downstairs. He gobbled up a hasty scrambled eggs on toast, grabbed his flute and a random music score, and ploughed through the deep, fluffy snow to his electric limousine. The driver floored the accelerator and zoomed out of Cornwall and into London. Three hours later, they arrived at Buckingham Palace. Jonathan tried to take as long as he could to get out of the car but he still arrived on time. The ceremony passed in a blur, and before he knew it, Jonathan was asked to play his flute. Um, I I, I left it in the car, and flew out of the palace, leaving his flute on the chair. He was stopped by the Queen, who said very sternly, Mr Thomas, we have asked you to play your flute, which you have left on your chair. Jonathan gulped, picked up his flute, opened it and made a terrible attempt at putting it together. Then he took a deep breath and blew. The sound he produced was like a very loud, wet raspberry. A gasp went around the room like a Mexican wave. Every guest there had heard Jonathan play in the orchestra and they knew his sound had been beautiful. Nobody knew what had happened until someone shouted, Jonathan Thomas has forgotten how to play! (laughs) Boo! (laughs) Jonathan Thomas has forgotten how to play! (laughs) Boo! Boo! (laughs) Boo! 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 Off the stage! Rubbish! Rubbish! 
Everyone started booing Jonathan and pelting him with fruit and vegetables brought in from the kitchen. He ran down the aisle with food coming at him from all sides. He slammed the door of his limousine and the driver sped back to Cornwall. Jonathan had learnt his lesson. Always tell the truth. And that was A Day in the Life by Elena Radia. We really like the story because a flautist seems such an unlikely person to be super rich and famous these days. And it's also very well written. So well done, Elena. And a special mention to your younger brother, Leon, who wrote about a famous paleontologist. Also quite an unusual profession. Special mentions go to Lena, who wrote about Leela Jones and her dog Rocky, Richard Tai from Beijing, who wrote about Madame Jeek and her car that dived down to another world, Evier, who wrote about Lord John and a spacecraft, Annalise Buss, aged five, from San Francisco, who wrote a funny story about a cowboy who did everything backwards and then caught the hiccups, Abigail Herman, who wrote a very imaginative story about a flamingo's coronation, and Benjamin Dwarin, who invented a colourful character called Flashy Tashy. And a special mention to Marie Chase van der Kay, who wrote a story about a schoolgirl called Dorothy Bell Dougal. We like that story a lot. It was just a bit long. And thank you to everyone who sent in your lovely stories. For now, from me, Jana, at storynori.com. Bye!